Welcome to the Profit Cast. We're here to talk football. That's football. But we're covering all our local teams too. We bring the unique perspectives of a player and a coach collaborating on the things that bring us together and sometimes tear us apart. This, this is, is the, the Profit, Profit Cast. Cast. Well, welcome in, everybody. Come on in out of the cold, get in out of the snow, snuggle up to a podcast and listen to the coach and the player talk a little football and give you an update on the local sports that are still happening, uh, though we are rescheduling here, there and everywhere oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, to accommodate for the weather and the poor driving conditions. Hopefully you are all staying safe out there. Uh, but Luke, why don't you give us an update on some of the stuff that's happening in the local spo- sports world? Uh, amidst all the cancellations and postponements. Yeah, so on the Nebraska Christian side of things, the the boys are struggling a little bit. They've got a young team. Micah Purdue is playing great. He's averaging 22 points a game. Oliver Herman's playing well, too, averaging 16 points a game. But uh, just 2-10 and on the year so far with wins over St. Edward and Heartland Lutheran. And But they do have a good nucleus of young players, two of which are currently hurt with Luke Powell and Will Poland and then also Jacob Swanson and Jackson Rexilius. So with that young core, hopefully they can win some more games next year and the year following. On the girls' side, they're 9-4, and four, so pretty decent season for them so far. They, yeah, they're hoping to do, make some noise in the, in the postseason. On Central, the Central City side of things, the boys are 11-2 and two right now, so a good start for them. 12-2, and two, sorry. And so it's a good start for them. Losses to Boone Central, which is kind of holding them back right now in wild card points. But that is a very good team who was um, the state football champions. So that's a good team. And then another loss to Kozad. And then big wins over Donovan Trumbull and Fillmore Central. We are the only loss for both of those teams. And we are currently sitting 14th in wild card points. So if the season ended now, we would still have a spot, but we'd have to play a top team at uh, Substate. Yeah, Substate. So, hope, so give us yeah. before you move on to the girls. We're going to get to that in just a minute, but give us a real quick inside scoop because you're you're on that team. Uh, you get to practice with those guys, and uh, you know last year had a really really fun run, made it to state, had a had an awesome team, and. Um, have a great, you know, leader this year with Zickman, but last year you were a really senior heavy team. So how do you mm-hmm. how have, how's been the process of getting back to where you're 11 and 2 or 12 and 2 at this point instead of, you know, a lot of times you can lose four starters and and a sixth man and it's hard to rub two wins together the next year. Yeah, it's um it's definitely hasn't been perfect. There's been growing pains and but really I think those that group has played with each other for a long time still all the way since they were little kids with that group of current juniors right now Truman and Carter Simonson Mm -hmm. and Coulter and well Coulter came a little later um transferred from Lakeview but those those guys have played together for a long time and JV last year played a lot together only lost two games yeah the JV had a good year last season yeah so they have a lot of continuity, but it's definitely hasn't been perfect getting that all to meld together, still trying to put it together. And then also getting Jacob Rule to transfer in from Centura has given a nice boost for them too. Nice. So tell us about the Bison girls basketball team. Where are they at this year? 
Yeah, they're having a very good season so far. They are 9-4, and four, which might not sound like that impressive, but the last time they started 9-4 and four was better was the 2014-2015 season where they went, started 15-2. and two. That team was led by Val Fosick and Jill Getchy, and so <laughs> um, some names from a while back. But turn, it, turn it back the clock a little bit. Yeah, some, yeah. Some of us might not think that – 14, 15 was that long ago, but yeah. for someone your age, maybe it seems like a little bit yeah, I was larger a, percentage of your life. I was in elementary school. Oh my. So I was, I was probably in second grade, something like that. So it's been a while <laughs> since we, <laughs> since we've had a, a start like this. So that's really impressive for them. Like I said, nine and four, hopefully they can make a run at conference they've got we had some good girls basketball teams in our conference so it might be a tough task to win it but hopefully they can win some games there so when is the conference tournament for central city uh (laughs) (laughs) nebraska christian is in the middle of their conference tournament right now um they were supposed to have games last night but due to weather that got rescheduled so it'll be interesting to see how the how the conference tournament unfolds in the goldenrod conference but stay tuned uh the is it the Lou Platt Conference? Yes. Is uh, they're going to be having their tournament yeah. uh, later? <laughs> we will update you when we know yeah. more about that. Well, moving on up from the local level to professional football, we we got the NFL playoffs going on right now, and it was a wild, wild, wild card round. Uh, some really fun games. So, yeah. what uh, in how much football were you able to take in this weekend, Luke? I was able to take in a medium amount of football. I watched a large portion of the Lions and Rams game, which was one of probably the most fun game to watch. I think that had to be the best game of the yes, weekend. Yes, yes. And I watched the entirety of the Buccaneers-Eagles game, mm. and then parts of Texans-Browns and parts of Dolphins-Chiefs. I Man. had absolutely no interest in watching the Packers and Cowboys, so yep, um, <laughs> or the Steelers and Bills. We we talked about a lot of these games last week, and I think I was really surprised with the the Browns and the Texans because I watched the first half of that game and then had different things going on. So I was like, "Wow!" I think it was like seventeen fourteen. I was like, "This is gonna be a good game," and then just doing different things. And then I checked, checked the score later on and it was 45 to 14. And I was like, wow, what happened? Texans just went off. So um, again, we talked about this before. That's just the cool story about the Texans, how they went from just terrible second overall pick to taking action to be good immediately. And now they're onto the divisional round. So just such a cool story for the Texans. This yeah, season. yeah. Huge shout out to CJ Stroud and D'Amico Ryan's for what they've done with that team. That's, Absolutely, that's very impressive. And also shout out to the Browns too. Shout out to Joe Flacco. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, that's very impressive that they were able to make the postseason. And the way Joe Flacco played down the stretch was very impressive as well. Yeah. But yeah, I just want to give a huge shout out to to the Texans and D'Amico Ryan's, which I think should be Coach of the Year. I don't. I don't think that's too hot of a take. Yeah, I think I think he's a really he's got to be up there just with the the turnaround job. Um, other yeah, names team that, that was two wins last year, something like yeah, that. Yeah, just just the turnaround that he that he was able to do is I think you mm-hmm. have to have him in the conversation for sure. Well, then you have the conversation where do you want to win Coach of the Year because that 
position has been cursed a oh, little man. bit lately. Yeah. With if you could win Coach of the Year in back to back years, you'd break that curse. But nobody's nobody's been able to follow up Coach of the Year yeah. with much success. Cliff Kingsbury, mm-hmm. Matt Eberflus, Brian Dayball, yeah, Kevin Stefanski. Yep, it's yeah. Dangerous waters. <laughs> yeah. So so yeah. maybe he wants someone else to win it. Maybe he yeah. wants Sean McVay to do it. You know, who knows? Uh but uh but yeah, really, really cool story for the what the Texans have been able to accomplish this yeah. year. I was surprised to see the Dolphins not put up more of a fight against the Chiefs. I I mean I I understand once they were playing in Kansas City, I I was pretty sure Kansas City would win that game, but I still thought the Dolphins would put up more fight. I think the Dolphins Yeah, I don't know. This is it's a little bit of a similar of of what happened to the Dallas Cowboys. The Dolphins, I think you can say a lot about the weather. That's going to be the main storyline. And and you have to take that into consideration. Mm-hmm. I think when you live in Miami, you have to be aware that you're you're it's just going to be harder for you to play in inclement weather. Mm-hmm. And if you're in the AFC and you want to make a run in the playoffs, there's a real good chance that you're going to have to play in Buffalo or Kansas City or Cincinnati or Denver, mm. like all of those cold weather cities, you have to be prepared to go into their place and win when it's cold outside. Yeah. So how do you win when it's cold outside? You got to have a big beefy offensive line. You have to, you have to be able to run the ball really well. You have to be able to take care of the ball and Miami. I mean, they had games this year where they ran the ball really well, but not in your traditional ground and pound run on ice type of way. Yeah. Um, and their offensive line, it's been something that's been more of like the type of thing that they have tried to hide instead of the thing that they built their team around. Yeah. So I think Miami's got some some tough choices to make this off season. Um, do you do you not just do you like Tua, but do you think that Tua is the guy that can get you over the hump? And I think Dallas needs to be asking these same types of questions, where you're consistently winning more than ten games a year. If that's enough for you, then that's fine. You can continue as as you know. Keep riding the ship the way that it's sailing. But if you want to get over that hump and start winning some playoff games and start being a contender to win the Super Bowl, something has to change. Whether it's the quarterback play, coaching, offensive scheme, or just getting a new and improved offensive line or just an absolute standout defense that won't be affected by injuries at the end of the year. One of those things has to change so that you can compete with mm-hmm. with the teams that are always in the hunt at the end of the year. Yeah. Or is your answer just one more year of playoff experience too? Sometimes, that could be too. Sometimes these things take time, but because this, team this does... was this was Tua's first playoff game. Yeah, yeah. They were he he got hurt towards the end of last year and missed yeah. the playoff game. Yeah, so, and the Dolphins were one and done. So it could be it an is, experience yeah. thing. We'll yeah we'll have to wait and see. But and that and that would apply for the Dolphins. We'll just touch yeah. quickly on the Cowboys. That that's not the excuse with Dak because he's played in I think five playoff games now mm-hmm. and hasn't really done well in any of them. Uh, the the Cowboys, I think, have have a lot more that they need to fix. I think there I think there needs to be some seismic changes there, um, yeah. but I don't think that's going to happen. So we'll see. I, I think I think Dak Prescott played very very well in the regular season. He did. I, I um like I was just looking straight number wise. He was probably the front runner for the MVP. Oh, I think he has to be statistically wise, but yeah. that but. And and if it's a regular season award, then you have to put him in contention for it. Yeah. Um, and a lot of people have said, well, if you know, if for whatever reason the the Ravens were to lose to the Texans this next week, then Lamar Jackson is no different than Dak Prescott. 
Mm-hmm. Um, I I don't know about I that. I think That's... I think the front runners. I think Dak probably dropped to third in the MVP race now. I think it's Brock Purdy and Lamar Jackson. Mm-hmm. I think, and yeah, I think it would be hard to not give it to Lamar Jackson just because he had he's had an incredible season. The Ravens, especially towards the end of the year, just ran through everybody. Just looked like such a dominant team. Yeah, and and Lamar is the clear leader on that team. So. I think that I think he'll win that award this year, but he's kind of in the same boat as Dak, where it's like we haven't seen that from him in the postseason, where he's been able to string yeah. a bunch of wins together and go deep into the playoffs. So uh, this might be yeah. the year for that. I think I think both this, the, it'll be interesting to see this week because with both the Ravens playing against the Texans and the 49ers playing against the Packers, they're both playing against teams that overperformed last week. Mm-hmm. So either that means those two teams gave it their all and put everything out there at that time, and then they're going to come up short against arguably mm-hmm. the two best teams in the league, which is possible. Or it could be that they have all of the momentum, and they're going up against teams and players, some of which haven't played in three weeks because of the bye. And then a lot of teams, both of those teams had the had the number one seed clinched before the last week of the regular season. Neither Lamar nor Brock mm-hmm. Purdy played in week seventeen, week eighteen, game seventeen. Yeah, and so it's been a while. Sometimes those teams can come out a little bit rusty. The last yeah. time the Ravens were the number one seed, they lost to the Texans in the first round of the playoffs because they had that bye. They didn't they didn't pick things up and click it together quite as well as what they had been expected to do at that time. Yeah, that's what you worry about with the Ravens, and I would be extra worried. More worried about the Ravens than the 49ers right now because I think the Texans are a significantly better team than the Packers right now. Yeah, And I I, so maybe too. I'm wrong about the Packers, but what I saw when they played the Buccaneers a couple of weeks ago was not impressive. And I don't think Jordan Love – I'm still not convinced about Jordan Love. But. Yeah, I – it's really interesting. I think I think we're going to have to do this some point between now and the draft. I would love to have us do an episode on building the ideal quarterback uh, because there's so many fun things that, like, Jordan Love has some really impressive qualities. But if you were to put that on a scale, he's probably, like, 30% of a great quarterback. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, you look at a guy like Brock Purdy, he has less pop and shine, but he's probably about 80% of what you want a good quarterback to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, when you look at at combining all of those different factors of what all goes into being a mm-hmm. great quarterback, you can look at you can look at some of the things that Jordan Love can do with just a wrist flick to make the ball fly 40 yards. And you're like, <laughs> wow, that kind of reminds me of the last guy that played quarterback at Green Bay. And then everybody just jumps right into the your your brain autocorrects to all the great things that you saw Aaron Rodgers do over the years. And you think, wow, Jordan Love can do that too, just because he can make a few fun highlight plays. So yeah. we, we need to see more consistency. We need to see it over a yeah. longer time yeah. before we can declare that mm-hmm. Green Bay hit three incredible Hall of Fame quarterbacks in a row. Yeah, I think that's a little premature. Absolutely. But uh, Rams-Lions was definitely the best game yes. of – of this wild card weekend came right down to the wire. 24-23, the Lions were able to get the win. So so fun for Detroit, this run that they've been on. And <clears throat> from time to time, we'll we'll bring up things from sports history on this podcast. And occasionally they will hap- have happened before Luke was born. Uh, <laughs> being the younger, just slightly, of us two. 
podcast hosts. Uh, but the Lions haven't won a playoff game since even before I was born. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> it was quite a while ago. Um, you're, other other things that have happened. Uh, you're, you're not as old as I thought you were. Uh, <laughs> thank you. Um, other the uh, if you're familiar with the movie The Lion King, uh, the original animated one, not mm-hmm. the recent live action one, that was also made. Uh, since the last time the Lions won a playoff game. So <laughs> so we've we've had some water pass under the bridge uh in the span between the two the two playoff yeah. wins that I the saw, Lions have. I saw a picture of like Madden when the Lions yes. won, the, <laughs> won their last playoff game to this time and it was like Jared it was uh Jared Goff and like how really realistic and you can barely tell it's even a fake image and then it's like the tech mobile whatever. Yep. yep. <laughs> A lot has changed uh, in these last, I think, 31 years. Uh, so uh, congratulations to the yeah. Lions. It'll be fun to see how that run continues uh, because they got, a, they got a tougher matchup this week, don't they, Luke? They do. They are playing against these Tampa Bay Buccaneers team that just destroyed the Eagles 32-8. to just, just destroyed them. Just destroyed them. Now, I do want to say in this game before I get to – Happy about the Buccaneers. <laughs> the Eagles secondary was terrible. Yeah. They they could not tackle. And as a safety myself, playing safety, it hurt me to watch this game. Mm. Now, I, I loved it because of what the Buccaneers were doing. But at the same time, every missed tackle just yep. kept piercing into my soul and how tentative they were to come down. And oh, yeah. They looked completely checked out. You saw Kevin Byard would come down and just like wait for them to come to him by that time trey palmer would put a move on him or mm-hmm. rashad white would put a move on him and also shout out to trey palmer that oh was yeah a, that was a great 56 super fun to see the nebraska boy going off down in tampa yeah yeah very impressive but and and levante david too i mean he's one of the he, he's mm-hmm. he's very well known because he's had an incredible career and he's been a captain down in tampa bay for a long time but when I went down to Tampa in December, they had like a hundred foot tall poster of him on the side of the building uh, at, at the Bucks stadium. And so it's just the, the city loves Levante David and um, you know, long, long suffering Nebraska fans will remember when he just had an incredible two year run here and, and just made so many good tackles and was part of some really incredible defenses uh, back in the, I think 20, early 20 teens um yeah just such so fun to see him yeah um develop into one of the guys that is just a real character leader in the nfl Mm -hmm. and a team captain beloved by both teams i saw a bunch of the guys from the eagles going up and giving him hugs after the game because he's just Mm -hmm. well known and well loved throughout the league yeah the plays yeah i yeah i think the league even doesn't quite give him the the respect he deserves and when you watch him he just pops off the screen completely You'll see, and it, he hasn't even lost a step. He's yeah. he's played for twelve years now. He's not young. Yeah, he, I mean, he moves from his linebacker spot, and he's making plays on wide receiver screen passes mm-hmm. and getting a tackle for a loss. Yeah, like, 12, 12 years into the league, and he's still playing with that with that burst and with that mm-hmm. hustle that a young man plays with. So super fun to watch the career yeah. of Levante David, and yeah. an all time great for sure. Mm-hmm. As far as this next matchup, well, first of all, Eagles, complete collapse. I think everybody knows about that. We probably don't have to go too deep into 
into it but yeah as we again as we get closer to talking about the draft and and looking at what what the eagles are going to need to look to pick up this next year somebody ought to do a good autopsy on them because they started the year 10 and 1 and were just running through everybody and then 1 and 6 after that just fell apart mm-hmm. last third of the season well first of all maybe don't fire your defensive coordinator when you're 10 and 1 well that's probably yeah. part of it that could be <laughs> Um, but just there's there's all sorts of yeah yeah it'll be interesting to see mm-hmm. if somebody else is going to get fired um philly philly doesn't isn't overly loyal they're they're yeah. like the opposite of the cowboys the cowboys can be terrible and hang on to their quarterback and hang on to their coach uh mm-hmm. but philadelphia wins a super bowl and two years later doesn't sign their quarterback and fires their coach so <laughs> they're you know, Nick Sirianni's in the hot seat a year after they were playing in the Super Bowl. Yeah. Uh, so we'll see what happens over in mm-hmm. Philadelphia. Yeah. As far as this game between the Buccaneers and Lions, I think there's a lot of interesting things to watch. Lions are probably the favorite in this one, but there's definitely the last time they played, the Lions won twenty to six. But my conspiracy theory is the Buccaneers won they wear their creamsicles. <laughs> They they never win. So yeah, yeah. they've won like one game while they wore the creamsicles in the last <laughs> twenty years. And I think it's as as much as everybody loves the creamsicles, it's time for them to go. The Bucks just losing them. Well, not, so not everyone not everyone loves them. Um, yeah, <laughs> we yeah I don't love them. when when we went down there. We went we walked through the team store and they had all these jerseys hanging up. And um, my wife is a football fan. She likes watching football, but she's not. Just not watching every game to the same yeah. level that Luke and I do. And she hadn't seen, I mean, the Bucks aren't often televised in primetime when they're wearing creamsicles. Mm-hmm. So she hadn't seen that before when she walked in there and she hasn't been digging up old, uh, old Bucks yeah. films from the 80s. So she saw those creamsicle jerseys and she was like, oh my word, what in the world is this? That's the <laughs> ugliest thing I've ever seen. I was like, well, yeah, that's, that's, Probably half the people think that, and the other half of the people are like, "These are amazing." So, yeah, that, <laughs> but yeah, that if that might, I mean, it, yeah, might have a similar effect yeah. as when Nebraska wears the white on white, the surrender whites. <laughs> Nebraska never wins when they're wearing white jerseys and white pants. I just hate that. <laughs> well, anyways, the got to keep moving here. The Bucks. I think the what'll be interesting to watch is a how the Lions handle the blitz because the Eagles did not handle the blitz. No, and. So if they can if they can really handle that, and that's the same when the Bucks won the Super Bowl over the Chiefs, that was the main Absolutely. thing that kept the Chiefs from moving the ball was that blitz. And then on the other side, how the Bucks secondary will handle Amon Ross St. Brown, who yes. went crazy and, against them. And that's ultimately what does it for Jared Goff, because if if he has if he has a clean pocket and he has time to check the runners on first mm-hmm. and third, he's gonna he's gonna be out there slinging it around like crazy and looking great. But if you get pressure on him, you can really make him look like a average quarterback. Yeah, for sure. So if the Bucks get good pressure, I would say they're they're good to go. Um, how do you how how comfortable do you feel with Baker and the and the Bucks offense going up against the Lions? Bite your kneecap off defense. Well, I'm a little bit worried about the Bucks run game. That's been all season has been what has held them back. I would say is they can't run between the tackles. Mm-hmm. They've got two great tackles and then a very weak interior offensive line. Yeah. So they've they've had some success in the screen game and running out on the perimeter, but what could hold this team back is not being able to run in between the tackles. Yeah. And also, but if they can get a clean pocket, I think 
the Buccaneers could potentially expose this Lions secondary that just gave up 181 yards to Puka Nakua. Mm-hmm. So Mike Evans could have a day against them too. But I, yeah, I think I think the run game would be my biggest concern probably. Yeah, because it's hard to pass it when you can't run it. Yeah. Well, as we wrap it up, though, the last game that we have to talk about is Kansas City Buffalo. Mm-hmm. Um, two teams that have had some just instant classics when they've played each other in the playoffs. Yeah. And two teams Probably that, the most anticipated matchup. I, I think it is, uh, especially for a lot of our listeners. We got a lot of we got a lot of Chiefs fans out there. Um, but I think that this is a game where both of these teams, for the majority of this season, underperformed. Uh, yeah. didn't quite live up to the expectations, didn't haven't quite played to the offensive excellence that we're used to from both of these programs. Uh, so this will be a really interesting game. And I think especially with the Chiefs, you're kind of wondering is, are, are they the type of team that is familiar enough with all of the recent success that they've had in the playoffs that they can get in it and it's just like riding a bike where they get back into the playoffs and they're like, all right, we're just going to win. That's just what we do at mm-hmm. the end of the year. Yeah. Um, and Or is Buffalo, you know, they had some really intense midseason struggles. Did their strength of schedule get a little bit easier or did they figure something out halfway through right. the year? Yeah. Um, Josh Allen is just an incredible talent. And a lot of times he plays better when he doesn't have to be Superman. But at the same time, when he turns it on as Superman, he's one of the best in the league. Mm-hmm. So it'll be really interesting to watch this game uh, and to see these two great offenses battle it out. Yeah. And a big difference in this one compared to the last couple of times these two teams played each other, this game's at Buffalo. Mm-hmm. So that'll be another interesting thing to watch. Which might just be warmer than Kansas City. <laughs> <laughs> um, both of those are not yeah, warm climates. Both, and, and again, we're talking about teams that uh, the AFC versus the NFC, there's just a lot of domes in the NFC, a lot of, of warmer climates in the NFC. But yeah, Kansas City uh, had a basically ice bowl 2.0 last week and then buffalo actually had to reschedule their game because of snow and cold and so yeah both of these teams very very cold the weather could affect this game too with just the wild year that we've been having yeah uh but but both teams that are used to it so hopefully we just get Mm -hmm. to see some really good football between these two squads for sure Well, that's all the time we have for today, but we are going to be back with more football talk, more local sports talk. So if you like this episode, keep listening, tell your friends, and we'll see you next time. Take care. Yeah, football.